Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 203, Who Are You? Which parts of us are good and which are not? Yes, who are we? Guys, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. That's who we are. And today we talk about, and every time we're here, we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And we're coming at you from the lovely WCSG radio studio in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I'm your host, Lori Krieg. And I have alongside me my husband and favorite licensed therapist, Matt Krieg. Hello. Hey, Matt. And I also have next to me on the other side, my friend and the most professional radio voice among us, because it's his job and he's (laughs) awesome, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. Hey. You guys, after our summer break, although we did sneak some little extra episodes in. We are back and we are launching now. Season seven. How's it feel to be in season seven? Does it feel different? You guys feel older? Yes. <laughs> I expect this to be the perfect season. Yes. Oh, the, the, number the number of, of Jesus. perfection or completion <laughs> or yes, the biblical seven. Our yes. middle child turned seven a few weeks ago. And I, when she woke up on her birthday, I was like, you're seven. I was like, do you feel older? And she was like, I do. And I was like, very nonchalant. I do. She Mm. was. I was like, all right. I I feel older too. Seven year old. Anyway, guys, this season, we have some incredible guests coming on to help us talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And we're actually going to touch in this. We don't have a, a theme for season seven in the beginning here, like last for season six. If you guys were joining us, the whole theme of the entire season was identity. But we are actually talking again about identity today, sexual identity, gender identity, and how in the world can we know who we are? It's such an ethereal concept. So to help us launch this season, and for this episode specifically, we have with us Andrew Bunt. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. It's really lovely to be with you today. I said that right, Bunt. That is right. That is right. Okay, great. Steve, tell us about it. Yes, a little bit more of an introduction of our guest. Uh, Andrew is a speaker, writer, and Emerging Generations Director at Living Out Ministry. He studied theology at Durham University and King's College London and loves helping people to understand and apply the Bible. Andrew is the author of Who in Heaven's Name Do You Think You Are? People, Not Pronouns, Reflections on Transgender Experience, and today's book up for discussion, Finding Your Best Identity, A Short Christian Introduction to Identity, Gender, and Sexuality. Mm. It was a good book, by the way. Mm. I read it this weekend, and you can read it in a weekend or a day, and it's it's worth reading. So thank you for your book, Andrew. Thank you. It's really encouraging. Yes, and to get to know Andrew and some of our listeners even better, let's go to the question of the week from last time. And we'll start with Andrew, and then we'll kick it around to some of the guests that we've heard from. Which, when Matt says last time, I never <laughs> did ask you guys this, except on the internet. So if you want to be someone who answers our question of the week, you got to friend me or like me or something just friend or like, just some friend or like, I'm not going to add more verbs, <laughs> me on Facebook or on Instagram. Um, I usually post them there when I'm not writing papers. Anyway, Matt, what is the question? Yes, this is an appropriate question for late August, at least in Michigan. Um, but what school supply did you look forward to getting as a kid as you were heading back to school? Was it a specific backpack, a trapper keeper, trapper keeper. fresh pencil pack, something else? <gasps> Andrew, Andrew, we need to know. Okay, also, do you have trapper keepers in the UK, in England? No, I was just going to say, what is a trapper keeper? <gasps> oh, my word. <laughs> he hasn't it's, lived. Enlighten me. 
<laughs> it's Matt, I feel like you're gonna do a better job of describing this trapper keeper. It was a nineties staple. Yes. I'll say that. Let's just say it becomes a black hole of chaos. Um but <laughs> it's very basically- middle school boy in the nineties, Matt. That's what I was. <laughs> unapologetically. <laughs> um it is a it is a binder that has a cover that zips closed and like there's dividers and, and different colors and designs and all this all this stuff yeah. and I mean you could use it as a weapon, <laughs> a bludgeoning <laughs> device, like all sorts of things. The the peak part about it though is the outside was usually covered in some sort of like lightning zigzag or like a cat or just whatever your favorite <laughs> or it might be of branded self. with yeah. you know your favorite you know TV or movie character or yeah, something like that. Clifford or Clifford. <laughs> not Clifford, no 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 what's a cat? Garfield. Garfield. Yes. Garfield, I yes. feel like, was a big part of it. Anyway, this is about you now. <laughs> what was your favorite school supply? Well, yeah, no trapper keepers, sadly. I do love this question. I love the start of the new year for a new start, and I do love supplies. I think my favorite thing was in, in secondary school, I think kind of our equivalent of your high school, we'd be given a planner at the start of the year, kind of a, oh. a notebook where you kept track of your homework and your deadlines and stuff. And I just love organization, and so I loved that. And actually, I was reflecting, I still manage my working life in notebooks. I do everything else digitally, but managing my workload, I still do a notebook, which probably kind of goes back to those planners at school. Ah. Hmm, Very nice. Were you one of those people that color-coded different classes with different colored pens? Yeah, and I still do. I do three jobs, and I still color-code them now. Yeah, totally. (gasps) It works. (laughs) Did you ever have one of the pens where you click down each color? Uh, I expect I did. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, they were quite in the ra- all the rage at one point. You got to shove them all worked. down at the same time and try and squish all the pens <laughs> right. out of the bottom and then break it. Okay. <laughs> I chose Sarah's and we have uh, her words sharing with us her favorite school supply. Hey guys, my name is Sarah and I'm reaching out to you from the land of boiled peanuts and beef jerky outlets. What's that? That's right, upstate South Carolina. (laughs) So for whatever reason, little me always, always wanted my lunchbox to be a direct reflection of my soul, which is a lot of pressure for a lunchbox, honestly. I just know that metal box really, really, really had to speak to me and, you know, also include a thermos. All right, thanks, guys. So she had to have a lunchbox that spoke to her soul, that mm-hmm. accurately reflected her soul. I chose that because that is also me, and it is one of our daughters. We were at Cole's, the happiest place on earth, or <laughs> according to the seven-year-old, and we were trying on so many different backpacks with our oldest. We're like, how's this one feel? Does this have the essence of you? And so I, I feel her. I feel that. Do you guys, are you guys like that? Meanwhile, I'm just like, get the black one. It's not going <laughs> to <Yeah>. get dirty. <laughs> For me as a kid, I definitely relate to the lunchbox. I don't know why. Maybe I was pre-backpack. Maybe just like the lunchbox and the Trapper Keeper under your arm. Yeah. But I had like a Happy Days lunchbox. I had a, uh, you know, Charlie, a Snoopy Peanuts lunchbox. Uh, Yes. Those were, those were the days. Did they capture the essence of your whole person? I, I think so. Yes, whatever my whole person was at that age. (laughs) We'll talk about it more when we get to the identity section. (laughs) But Steve, which listener feedback stood out to you? Yes, I appreciated uh, Jason uh, on Facebook. He said, mechanical pencils and new colored pencils for sure. I also love my math compass. I still have it over 20 years later. Whoa. 
Yes. What's a math compass, though? It's the thing, you know, with it's like one side <gasps> is sharp and one side you put yes. a pencil in it and you can make circles, perfect circles. That was all I did with mine. <laughs> I, I feel like I stabbed myself accidentally. There was that one too many also. times. Yes. What about you, Craig? Yes, I also chose someone named Sarah, but a different Sarah from Facebook. And she said, new binders that clip together and the claws actually close all the way. So satisfying. <laughs> and the determination to keep them that way all year, which inevitably failed. But right. that, that perfect like claw closing binder was something that I looked forward to. And then you snap it open and shut. Yep. A bunch of times and then eventually like they just don't even shut and the papers fall out. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys had a lot of uh, answers and responses. I heard a lot of Lisa Frank shout outs, um, which do you guys know Lisa Frank is again the 80s puppies and kittens. 80s like laser vibe, but with a cat <laughs> and a unicorn and a dog. And it was you guys had a lot of feelings about that. And so do we. <laughs> Good stuff. So we are going to shift now to the heart of the matter of this whole in my heart podcast, where we talk about uh, really just hearing your story, Andrew. And we ask every guest who comes on this show, if the gospel is, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. How was that gospel first good news for you, and how is it still? Well, it first good news to me when I was pretty young, kind of four or five, when I first made a commitment to Jesus. And so I think I had a, had a concept of I was sinful and yet wonderfully loved. But in a sense, I said something I've grown into, I guess, and many of us who choose to follow Jesus quite young, we grow into that realization. And the older I get, the more I realize I am sinful and flawed, but the more I'm learning to bask in the reality of, of being loved. And so... For me, I've had the wonderful joy of that being something of a foundation in my life as I've grown up. And I guess particularly I'd say it's being an important foundation for me in various aspects of my life. Big parts of my story have been around experiences of gender, various different forms of discomfort of my gender in my life. And also sexuality, I'm attracted to guys, so I'm same as attracted gay, whatever language you want to use for that. And actually that thing of well, knowing that I'm loved by God more than I can imagine has been the kind of the firm foundation on which to rest as I wrestled with the reality of my experiences and then wrestled with, well, how do I faithfully follow Jesus? How do I uh, live for him and love him within these experiences? And so I think it's just being such a great thing, a huge blessing to grow up knowing that truth Mm. and having that as a foundation to then wrestle with all sorts of things life brings along, including for me, stuff around gender and sexuality. (laughs) So obviously this book is not something that came to you overnight, but why why write it now what was it about like this time you know as you're looking at your life Mm. and and maybe just kind of what's going on in the world what was it that caused you to to really want to write this book now yeah it was those two things my life and what's going around me i think for me personally i had kind of journeyed through something that i thought oh this has been helpful to me i think it might be helpful to others basically in short that i i would have said i had a fairly good understanding of christian identity my first book actually was kind of just a, a basic um, good biblical teaching on what the Bible says about who we are as Christians, who we are as those in Christ. That's about 10 years ago. And then kind of five years or so after that, I had a fairly fa- a fairly major mental health meltdown. It wasn't the first time I had that. Ended up in Christian counselling. It was such a huge blessing to me. And one of the things I realised was that I had a really unhealthy and kind of destructive sense of identity, a sense of self. 
And even though I could have given you all the right Christian answers, I wasn't experiencing that. And that wasn't having the good impact on my life it should do. And I had to journey through that, actually. And particularly exploring, well, how do we form identity? How did identity work was helpful to me, realizing the sense of what had gone wrong for me and what could help me. And I kind of thought, I, I don't feel like we talk about this much. We talk about what the Bible teaches about who we are, but not in a sense how we receive that, how we experience that. And so I wanted to communicate something like that to help people. But then also felt there was an overlap there of what's going on in culture, especially certainly the culture I'm in in the UK around questions of sexuality and gender, where both of those uh, human experiences have become so tied to identity in the cultural context around us, to the extent that when people hear that out of faithfulness to Jesus, I'm choosing not to have a relationship with another man, people are going to say, well, isn't God asking you to deny who you really are? It's seen as so core to identity that actually Christian teaching is is bad news, is a problem for identity for someone like me. And I really felt actually we need to explore that. And we need a more in-depth exploration of, okay, well, how do sexuality and gender our experiences there relate to identity as the Bible talks about it? How do we put that together with faithfully following Jesus? And so in part, it's kind of an apologetic work as well into our culture around these key topics that are just so prominent in so many areas around us. <laughs> so as you... Uh talk about and use the word identity what would you say like how are you defining that idea or that even that word identity yeah i very deliberately did define it i was really struck as i was thinking about this topic reading stuff it's one of those words and concepts used all over the place in different ways and we don't stop to define it and so often people have taught past each other and so the definition i found helpful in in my own journey i found helpful in kind of the concepts i was trying to put across in this book was to define identity as our controlling self-understanding. So it's our, our sense of self, who we view ourselves to be, believes ourselves to be as our kind of most core, most fundamental. And then it's controlling in the sense of who you really believe you are, kind of deep down, deep down, even into your subconscious, that inevitably has impacts on you. It's mm -hmm. going to impact how you feel, how you think, how you live. In that sense, it is controlling. And so I found that phrase of a controlling self-understanding, a helpful summary for identity in the in the way i was trying to talk about it how who we believe ourselves to be our deepest core which then has impacts on our experience of life that's good that's helpful so okay you just defined our what identity is and you touched on you know in the uk and we hear this here in the u.s too that if you uh are following jesus with your sexuality and gender and choosing not to live out how the fall has naturally bent you. Uh, you're you're told that you are denying who uh, your fundamental core self. Can you unpack that? Why is sexual and gender identity not the core piece of who we are, or a core piece? I think why I found so helpful, what I tried in the book, is take a step back and say before we can answer the question of who am I. We've got to ask, how do I find who I am? And so when the cultures we're living in tell us that something like your sexuality or sexual desires uh, define who you are as your identity, that is saying that who you are is how you feel inside and what you find inside. That actually your internal experiences are uh, revealing to you your core true identity and the, the narrative goes, therefore you need to express that act on that in order to find your best life. But that's a really big assumption. And so I kind of want to problematize and say, well, why do we think it's what we feel inside that defines us? And is that actually right? And they say, well, actually, if I'm a follower of Jesus, how should I answer that question? How do I know who I am? How do I find who I am? 
And actually, as we look in the scriptures, we find actually the, the way identity is meant to work is that God defines who we are. And actually, God gets to say who we are. And if that's the case, if God tells us who we are, then it seems to me that scripture says we experience all kinds of desires and feelings inside. And they're very real. We don't deny that. But they don't define us. And therefore, they don't need to control us. But actually, we need to kind of assess them by what the word of God says and choose how we're going to respond to them. So I think in a, in a biblical way of doing identity, we are who God says we are, which actually frees us from defining ourselves by other things, such as what we feel inside, or indeed the opinions of others, and frees us to think, how do I kind of steward my experience, respond to my experience in a way that honors God and lines up with his word? Yeah. It's really interesting because, I mean, you have these two kind of titles, Others Decide versus I Decide, um, and coming from a counseling perspective and background with attachment, um, the way others view you and identify you as a young child forms that intrinsic internal vision of how we view ourselves. And both of those can be very flawed and very broken. And so like the, the whole concept of like, okay, what is what does God say, and like how do I rest in that identity? Can I don't know? Can you can you help us dive into that a little bit more and unpack that just a bit? Yeah, those two concepts. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So other decide what I'm talking about there is where our sense of self is shaped by what other people think of us. Particularly, usually it's them having evaluated us by some set of criteria. They may be articulated explicitly somewhere, may not be. And often, actually, it's our assumption of what other people think of us. And that then shapes our sense of self. And I think it's interesting you bring up children there. I think, in a sense, this is how we're meant to start. And I think a good godly parenting is meant to be helping children to experience who God says they are through that relationship. But then coming into adulthood, in a sense, is breaking free of that and learning, oh, I receive this from my heavenly father. And so even if other people think badly of me, say bad things about me, change their mind about me, or even if I make a big mistake, I fail on the criteria, I can know that I am loved. And I think the reason we gravitate towards an other society identity, and we so often let our sense of self be shaped by what other people think of us, what we assume, I think that's because we are meant to receive identity externally, but not from other people, but from God. It seems to me it's a natural human thing to kind of veer that way, and I think it's because we're wired a certain way. And some people with some philosophers and stuff say, actually, that's a kind of a traditional thing, a historic thing. It's not in modern Western societies. But having been in pastoral ministry for a number of years, I see it all over the place. So many of us shape what other people think of us. As much as it's not the kind of identity we talk about, it's still, I think, really common. But then I decide is the one which in modern Western societies, particularly, we do get told about. And through popular media and uh, social media, we're told to find our sense of self in what we find inside. Often that's applied to sexuality and gender, but it can be applied more widely as well. And I think in reality, many people, including many of us, end up doing a bit of both. Our sense of self is partly shaped by what we think other people think of us, but also because of the strong cultural narrative, we think we need to be true to the, the us that's inside our authentic self. And so we're also very aware of those. So I think for many of us, both of them are at play in our experience of uh, experience of ourselves. Can you help us? Uh, take what you said, the wrestling with others decide who I am and or I decide who I am. Can you apply it to your story? Like, how have you wrestled with those concepts? Yeah, yeah, they'd be really helpful to me. I mean, the I decide who I am wants to be helpful around my experiences of sexuality and gender. With culture telling me that, okay, the fact that you're attracted to guys, that means that's your core identity. It's fundamental about who you are. 
and culture telling me you're never going to be happy if you don't embrace that as your identity and kind of act on it. And so I've had to really wrestle with this is such a prominent message coming to me all the time through TV and film and media and even friends who aren't followers of Jesus. But I've had to kind of take that to the scriptures and where that voice is so loud in my ears, but say actually, well, what does God's voice say? What does God's word say? How do I make that louder? And so when I'm, you know, say I'm watching a TV program and it's it's sending this narrative, this character has come out as gay, they've entered into a relationship, they're living their best life. That's mm-hmm. a powerful, and can feel attractive. It connects with something in us, all kind of longings in us. But actually it's helpful for me at that point to go, well, but the idea here is that who I am is what I feel inside. But God tells me that's not the case. And there's really good reasons for that. So particularly around those experiences, that concept, being aware of it has been so helpful. I'm going, actually, no, I'm going to listen to God rather than what I feel inside. And the other side also been really a problem for me. I mentioned the kind of uh, mental health meltdown I had in the middle of my 20s. And as I realised there, one of the things I realised that was going on as I saw a great counsellor was I had this really unhealthy, destructive sense of self. Even though I would have told you, well, who am I? I'm a child of God. I'm loved, accepted all these things. The controlling narrative deep down, what I actually believed that I was a freak and a weirdo. And I actually mm-hmm. got to the point of realizing I didn't believe that anyone liked or loved me. I didn't really like or love myself. I didn't even believe that God liked or loved me. And that was because I genuinely thought everyone thought I was a freak and weirdo. I genuinely thought that was the obvious thing everyone thought, had, had absorbed that as my sense of self. But again, same thing. Now I'm able to go, okay, I recognize now my sense of self isn't shaped by other people, shouldn't be shaped by other people. I get to choose to listen to what God says. And certainly for me, one of my default patterns of thinking, in fact, I think um, I've heard you guys talk helpfully about the language of a template on mm-hmm. Word or PowerPoint. And the default thing, you can start afresh every time. My default thing is, I'm at a freak and a weird, everyone thinks that. But now I know when those thoughts come, oh, that's because I'm letting what I assume other people think of me shape my sense of self. But actually, no, what does God say about who I am? God says I'm loved. God says I'm accepted. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And so just being concepts that have been so helpful for me in that thing of wanting to live with and experience my true identity in Christ rather than any other identity, which ultimately will always be disruptive to me. That's a good word. Mm. Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, and as I think about like, uh, well, myself, but also, you know, people that are listening and watching us right now and who are maybe in that process of assessing, well, what is really my identity what is you know like a not accurate or or i guess a bad view of my identity uh how how do we you know how would you tell a listener to assess you know the what is me and what isn't me and you know kind of like (laughs) separating that one distinction i found helpful is to have in my mind the fact there's a difference between the things that define me that are about my identity the things that describe me so I'm not mm-hmm. denying all kind of other things about me when I say this is who I am, it's who God says I am. I'm not denying the reality of my desires and feelings, both good and bad. I, I'm not denying the ways that I am different. We're all unique in different kind of ways. And just having that distinction is so helpful. Mm-hmm. And so then it's the question of, well, what am I going to let define me? And that's where I think actually the question of how do I find who I am? Well, God says, God tells me, God defines who I am. And so it's what does he say in his word? And so that the fundamental most important things about me are the things that God says about me, about his people and his word, who I am because I'm hidden in Christ, who I am because I'm standing within the grace of God. As I say, it means I don't deny the reality of all other things that are true about me, but actually I, I can be really honest about them, open about them, 
um, but acknowledging that they describe me, they don't describe me. So just mm. starting with that distinction, I found helpful. And then the things I'm going to let define me are what does God actually say primarily about the fact that I'm his child and all that's uh, wonderfully tied up in that and that comes with that. Can you give me an example of like, this describes me, but this defines me? Mm. Well, so this is where I find it helpful with my experience of sexuality. So my sexuality is, you know, that, that describes me. I'm attracted to other guys. I'm same as attracted, gay, whatever language you want to use. I'm not denying that. I'm not kind of ashamed about that. I'm not hiding that away. I'm not pretending that Jesus can't see that. I'm honest with him about that. But that describes me. It's part of my experience. It doesn't define me. What defines me is I've been adopted by God as his child. And so where I find my worth and my value is in what God says about me as his child, not in my sexuality. Where I find my best life, where I find fullness of life, is by living out the identity that God has given me as his child, not by embracing and expressing everything about my sexuality. So it can be things that, but it can be things like, you know, often we have identities built around what we think others think of us because of the things we do. So it could be that you're really good at your job, or you're a really good parent, whatever it might be. Best actually, radio voice among us. That's his go. identity. That's a beautiful definition. Oh, just no. describes it's your me. descriptor. It's, it's not who you are. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think I just I just said it wrong. I don't have a definition, a description. It's a beautiful description. And actually that gives us this freedom to say, yeah, God's gifted me in these things. This describes me and people see in me the gifting of God and I can embrace that. I can recognize the wonderful partnership between me and God and that, that I can be a blessing to people in that. But actually, I'm not going to let that define me. Because if I do, if one day a better radio host comes along, or if one day I host an awful shocker of an episode, it comes yes. crashing down. Nay. So it's this thing of, <laughs> it would, I know it won't happen, but hypothetically, <laughs> if it were to happen, this, you'd be okay. And so mm. it's what I guess. I find it such a helpful, life-giving, practical tool to be able to make those distinctions. It helps us to both acknowledge the good things that describe us, such as that, but also acknowledge the bad things, our sinful desires, say, and to handle all of these things well. Hmm. I have another question I want to ask, but I hear Matt's therapist brain <laughs> doing cranking. Do you have a question you want to throw? Uh, well, okay. So you, you you mentioned that like this this intrinsic identity is is something that you say I've been adopted, you know, into the family of God as that that is a defining thing. Uh, whereas, you know, your, your attractions or your position at work or, um, you know, being a, a mom, dad, whatever, like that, that's more of this temporary positional kind of identity, descriptive identity. And I guess, how can you tell the difference? Yeah. I think it, so I, I think I want to go back to what does God say about who I am and where my value should come from? Maybe that's key as well, you know, I talk about controlling self-understanding. I want my self-understanding to line up with what God says such that it has a good impact on my life. It's actually, I, the, what God says about me as his child is a good, safe space in which me to, to root my value and my, uh, my um, sense of self-worth. But that's never going to change. What God says of me is based on what he's done in his son and what he thinks about the work of Christ. And that's never going to change. It is solid and static. And so that's the absolute core and that's the foundation i want to build my life on to be secure and so pretty much i think on my my way of approaching this which should flow from my reading of scripture pretty much anything else i would say describes us and i say that doesn't mean we deny them doesn't mean they're bad it doesn't mean god doesn't want us to recognize them as a blessing all those kind of things 
but actually it's not where we will root our core sense of self because ultimately they're at risk of doing harm to us or just falling apart for us if we if we do do that so in a mm. sense who we are becomes quite narrowed down and, and one of the things i guess i may be calling us to is i think it's helpful to really narrow down identity we use identity to talk about anything that's true of us i just think that's helpful i think it's more helpful to say my identity is what's absolutely core of me which is who god says i am and all these other things are yeah descriptors things that are true of me i just I found it, you know, heuristically helpful, helpful in a practical sense to narrow it down in that sense in my own life. And again, I found that helpful kind of in pastoral ministry and different disengaging with friends as well. Of so many of us easily fall into this thing of these things that can be good things become too much a core sense of ourselves. They have the controlling impact, and often at some point that's going to backfire on us. Mm. I like that. I am. Moving more into the a relational question, if I hear there's a decent amount on the internet or in relationships where people will say flippantly, well, this is just who I am. And they might be, I don't know, being a bit of a jerk or something like that. But it's, it's essentially saying uh, this is static right? That's I the right can't help it. I can't help it. This is who I am. So how, how can we respond? Like taking some of these new perhaps concepts that we've been talking about in this episode, how can we apply that in a relationship t- to someone who's saying that to us? Mm. I mean, what I'd want to do in that context is have a, have a conversation. It can be easy to go, well, that's no, not who you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you the truth. Kind of thing. But actually, you know, so I, I'm, I'm going to start with some questions. So why do you think that? Or what do you mean by that? Or, well, how do you know who you are? I'm just going to unpick their thinking, which then allows me to bring in some other thinking. I'm, and say kind of things, well, isn't it quite problematic if you're defining your identity on those things you feel? And, you know, do you think, you know, maybe that stubbornness, do you see stubbornness as a good thing? And does that make you feel bad if you think you've got identity that's rooted in something that isn't good? And surely we can all think of like desires, instincts we might have that all of us are going to say are really bad. And that's not who anyone should, should be. And so I've got to, through conversation, try and kind of problematize that, I guess. And then say, wouldn't it be better? is actually who we are, is actually who a creator who made us and loved us and knows us says we are. Wouldn't it be better, actually, if we can say who we are is is an identity which is solid and secure and gives life to us? And I'm also going to talk around the fact that in a Christian worldview, actually, how we instinctively are is not always good and also is not static. And I might be doing this with a non-Christian. I'm going to phrase it in the kind of way of, well, as a follower of Jesus, I believe this about our instincts and our feelings and our mm. desires or our, our habits almost, actually. And with a Christian, I can say, well, we know from the Bible, don't we? Not everything we desire is good. And I'm going to talk about the fact that actually, yes, we all have these orientations towards things that are bad. We're all instinctively tied up in sin and we go down that path instinctively we're outside of Christ. But then it becomes an opportunity to talk about the gospel. That thing that you know you keep doing and you know you hate doing, but you feel pretty stuck for it. Actually, part of the reason Jesus came is to free you from that. You are enslaved for that. Actually, that's what the Bible would say. But Jesus died so you can die with him and be freed from that slavery. And God himself can come and live in you by his Holy Spirit to help you live a better way. And I think for so many people in our culture who aren't followers of Jesus, there is this sense of frustration about aspects of ourselves. And we need to not overpromise. We all as Christians still have aspects of ourselves we're very frustrated by. We don't get total freedom in this life. But the gospel is not just forgiveness 
But it's also about freedom from the power of sin, about transformation. And actually, that's, I think, a great key in which to communicate the gospel to our culture. So all kind of different things, different ways that conversation might go, depending on who they are, what the context is. But I'm going to want to have a conversation unpacking some of those things, problematizing a perspective they're putting across, bringing in a Christian perspective, and ultimately trying to show, wouldn't it be good if this was true? Isn't this a better way of things working? I believe it is true because Jesus rose mm. from the dead. Mm. It's like another vote for simplifying who we say we are for mm. a smaller sense of identity mm-hmm. and making that be our definer versus seeing other things as descriptors, which can change. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm imagining, again, our, our listeners uh, who have now just entered into that dialogue with you uh, and, and are coming away going, yes, okay, I see it, I agree. Um, what would be like a next step that you would tell them if they're like, okay, yes, I have it, I have it here. Mm-hmm. How do I get it into my core, you know, controlling identity yeah. as you defined that um to where i can really like live out of that what would be a step or two that you would tell somebody okay um this is how we get it from here to here i love that yeah because that's exactly the final step and deliberately the last chapter of the book the short chapter is about that mm-hmm. we can do all the conceptual stuff but that's not that helpful if we don't actually do the thing of moving from our, our head to our heart i think in that chapter i say three things just briefly one of the say we need to get to know ourselves mm. as so those things we instinctively believe about ourselves that you've helpfully talked about in previous episodes all those ways we instinctively unhelpfully find identity maybe what people think of us maybe what we find inside just becoming aware of those and the fact that i know the way i'm most likely to go off piste on this is to let other people determine who i am and I think I'm most likely to believe that myself because I'm a freaking weirdo. It's really helpful. Mm-hmm. As soon as I start feeling it these days, I notice it. It, yes. it kind of suddenly tweaks me. So get to know yourself is really key. Then get to know who God says you are. You know, people may or may not already know that, but there's just no, um, no kind of shortcut to and nothing better than getting into the Bible. Mm-hmm. What has God actually said about us? But then it's the things that, yeah, move it from an intellectual knowledge to a, a heart experience. And I think here, maybe unsurprisingly, this is just where good, classic Christian disciplines are mm-hmm. so helpful. So not just reading the scriptures, but meditating, chewing them over, as it were, to get out all of the, the goodness and they sink more deeply into us. Singing them, I'm convinced that singing kind of pushes things deeper into us. And so I've got a Spotify playlist, which is songs that I know when I need to be reminded who I am, helps push them more deeply into my heart. Just praying our, our identity, all these kind of things which are, in a sense, basic Christian life, mm. but are really wonderfully powerful. And that's what I had to do. I, I realized, okay, what I actually believe about myself, myself was I'm a freak and a weirdo. And I was like a load of Bible verses and a piece of paper, had copies all over the place on my desk, at home, at work, um, on my bed, in my pocket. And any chance I got, I would read one of these verses and be praying through it. Mm. I remember the first time I picked on a Zephaniah 3, that God singing songs of delight over us. So, mm. But a couple of weeks, I kept reading it and praying it. I was like, this is not true. I do not believe this. This is making no impact. But gradually, eventually, as I meditated and chewed it over, it somehow penetrated into my heart. And I realized, this is true. God actually loves me. God actually delights me. He actually sings songs over me. It takes time. It takes hard work. But wonderfully, by his spirit, as we seek to engage in those kind of disciplines, God does it. He moves it from my head to our heart. And to me, generally, that's been you know, transformative for, for my life. I'm like ready to like clap and cheer over here because yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so easy to say, oh, well, common spiritual disciplines. And just because they're common doesn't mean they don't 
work doesn't mean <laughs> yeah. that the spirit doesn't use them. Mm-hmm. And so even the repetition that you're saying over yourself, Matt knows, and our audience probably knows at this point, just the repetition of speaking over myself. We're talking about that. We did that in the last three HIMH shorts. We talked about just spiritual disciplines. And it's so easy to be like, oh, yes, blah, blah, spiritual disciplines, read your Bible. But uh, truly, if God is real, then he wants to use the tools like the word and prayer and meditation and singing to take these vital, like the difference for some people between life and death uh, concepts and reality and, and take it into our heart and uh, change us and advance the kingdom of God, which is what it's all about. So, Andrew, you're a brother from another mother. I really appreciate you uh, and your heart and your words and your book. Um, you have been a delight uh, to interview today. Anything else you have for us? No, this is really kind. Thank you. It's been celebrated to be with you. I always love thrashing out these questions. And uh, yeah, it's helpful to me as well as hopefully to other people. Yes, I'm sure it is. So friends, we will link to Andrew Bunt's book, Finding Your Best Identity, a Short Christian Introduction to Identity, Sexuality, and Gender, which shares more of his story as well as the concepts that he was unpacking with us today. I really liked the, I somehow missed it in the book or something, but the Mm. definition, what defines us versus describes us. Yeah. What do you guys think? What hit you? I I think the thing that hit me was the last little section and really what I took from it was like, whatever you stare at, is is going to be kind of the identity that you move toward. You know, yeah. if you're staring at social media, you're going to move toward those ideals. If you're if you're staring at Jesus, you're going to move toward mm. Jesus. That's yeah. a word. Similar for me, I think that controlling identity, the way he yeah. uh, defined that, like I can know these things here, but if if it's not here, something else is going to be kind of. Uh, moving me and controlling me. Right, because so. otherwise it's just another, sadly, eye roll. You're like, yes, I know, Jesus is yeah. some child of God, but to really have it control you, that's a mm-hmm. different thing. Mm-hmm. So guys, what did you think? You are welcome to reach out to us uh, on Facebook. You can find the Hole in My Heart f- podcast Facebook group. I'm always asking, what do you think when I post the episode there first? Uh, and you can email us at podcast at com and write a review. We'd love to he- see and uh, hear a review from you on iTunes. Can you write reviews on YouTube? I think I don't so. Know. Write a comment. Comments? We have our own channel in WCSG. Uh, <laughs> if you guys look up WCSG's YouTube channel, I'm not an elder millennial. Uh, <laughs> you can find our channel amongst their uh, resources there. But we do have a question of the week for you all to answer for next week. <laughs> don't let don't make too much fun of me. <laughs> Are you pumpkin spice everything? Can't wait to put on a sweater fall person or not. There are only two types of people in the world. You're either pumpkin spice, I need me a sweater now, or you're not. If yes, those are the two are identities you? we can choose from. Yeah. <laughs> Ignore everything we taught today. It's de- Ignore it all. It's just a describing. <laughs> this uh, is not your defining. Thing. This is right, your right. descriptor. If yes, why are you? What are you looking forward to? And if not, why not? I want to hear both the cynicism and the joy. What are you guys? I'm. I love me some fall jackets yeah, and and the sports that come along with fall. But I am not a pumpkin spice everything. Yeah. Mm. I feel like the fact that I consider this, I, I consider it too soon for this question is yeah. the, is my answer. Yeah. Summer all day. Yeah. All day, all night. I'm not ready. I'm just not ready Our, for the shift and everything. 
our four-year-old's praying for Christmas, Christmas and Easter. <laughs> so anyway, guys, thanks so much for joining us today, talking about identity. Uh, join us next week in two weeks. We're still doing the every other week, but we may be popping in some of those HIMH shorts, which are only audio. Thank you again to our host, WCSG Radio in Grand Rapids. Thank you to the Zach of all trades and his assistant intern, Delaney. We got a new one. Uh, <laughs> but for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we'll see you next time. Oh,